welcome to the Late Night Race Review. Max takes 17 laps to gain the lead. Has his career already peaked? Oh yeah, he also won again. Did McLaren rocket ships run out of fuel? And Ferrari get P3. Can you believe it? It's the Belgian GP. Don't forget to support the podcast by hitting those like, follow and subscribe buttons. Welcome back, everyone, to the Late Night Race Review. I'm Dave Jericho, taking over the hot seat again from Scotty, as once again, he's decided not to join us. So, But as always, the trusty companion, Isidro Gonzalez, is here as always. Thanks for joining me, Isidro, uh, as Scotty can't be bothered. <laughs> um, but right, this weekend, we had, a, we had an interesting one. We had the Belgian Grand Prix, and we had... Uh, we're like a broken record here, but Max Verstappen, <laughs> Red Bull, um, dominant weekend, pole position, excluding obviously his five five place grid penalty for the gearbox change, sprint race win, feature race win. I mean, he's 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 just. I mean, we say it every week. He's unstoppable. Uh, I mean, what else can we say? Like, I mean, do you think? Do you think anyone's going to challenge him this this year between now and the end of the season? No, I don't think so. And that's why I think Red Bull should start replacing the the gearbox every single race until the end of the season. So at least there's some excitement to see um, Verstappen having to go through just a few drivers to get first. Even if he takes 17 laps like he did today, that's terrible. Max, you should know better. <laughs> Step up, or, please. Or Lewis should be sneaking into the Red Bull garage with a screwdriver and just <laughs> jiggling some things around there in the engine. <laughs> Um, but like, did you find though as well, like on his radio calls, he was very argumentative with the, with his race engineer and stuff like that, which I mean, we always say is a, is a good thing when we hear the likes of, um, sort of the Ferrari drivers, maybe not doing it enough, you know, sort of, you know, questioning their, their race engineer. But I think today, especially it almost came with its sort of a sense of like arrogance, bit of cockiness about him and. That can be great in a race car driver, but should he be also a little bit more humble in the position that he's in? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Red Red Bull mechanics have been doing a great job, and they know what they're doing. You said, unlike Ferrari, that usually they need to ask a few times what the what they want to do. Red Bull guys, they know precisely what what needs to be done to get the race. So, I don't yeah. think Verstappen has many reasons to complain, if at all. Yeah, it's on. It's not his fault, the gearbox, but that didn't cost him anything. He still won, and if anything, made the race better. Yeah, just and and as well as like just I just thought some of the like like the radio call where he said about he had two radio calls, I think it was. So one, they were sort of telling him not to be sort of burning up the tires. I think it was on the final stint, and he said that. He was saying that basically he could push more um to basically extend his lead to Perez in second and come in for a pit stop at the end. And he obviously the the race uh the, the race engineer and the pit wall said no, not this time, obviously referring to when he did that previously. But then he was sort of saying, you know, about the you know, you know, come in for a bit of pit stop training. And I know that was a joke to his, his to the pit wall. 
but it almost made a bit of a mockery of the rest of the drive. You know, it, it almost came across it like it was total arrogance in the sense that I am so good. You guys are so far behind me that I can just joke around about, you know, do I want to stretch another 10 seconds so I can get a free pit stop? I can do it if I want. It's, I don't know. And like the fact that you can do that is great. And and I think like he's an incredible driver and it, it goes to show and we'll, we'll get onto Perez and the, and the sort of the, the, the contrast between the two of them. But so he's an incredible driver and it's great to see, but I, I, I think you need to, and I like a bit of cockiness in a driver. I like a bit of self-assurance and stuff like that, but I, as well as that, you got to check yourself sometimes because like Formula One is very ruthless and this can all come crashing down pretty quick. Um, and also it may not happen until the next regulation change, but you, you never know. The next regulation change could see Red Bull turn into a McLaren or into a Williams where Williams used to be fighting at the front. And then the, you know, the hybrid era came in and Williams just suddenly dropped to the back of the pack. You know, it's very easy for something like that to happen. Okay, not necessarily saying that will happen to Red Bull, but, you know, be a bit humble and, uh, you know, don't be a dick, I think, on the radio. <laughs> well, yeah, what, especially what everyone's going to listen. And it was almost, he, he didn't crash, but he lost control for a second. In Eau Rouge, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that that was in, if that was enough to ruin the race for him in that moment, so... Maybe That's... focus more on the on the drive and less on the complaint. Yeah, necessary complaints. Yeah, exactly. Or or the sort of the the, the showboating as well, like because that's what it comes out. It comes out showboating, and yeah, just leaves a sour taste. But anyway, Perez, um, P two today, um, which I suppose in hindsight is a great results given his previous results. Um, he got um obviously he had a DNF in the in the sprint race. Um. Due, I think that came after the that was that was due to the collision with uh, uh, Hamilton, Lewis wasn't Hamilton. it? Hamilton, yeah. yeah. Um, where did he uh, qualify? Actually, so I'm not 100 percent sure where he qual- he qualified P two. Uh, no P P two three. No P three because uh, and then after oh yeah Verstappen's five second penalty, then he went up to P two, wasn't it? Let me just double check that. Uh, yeah, he did P three on the qualifying. Yeah, yeah. But the starting so, grid was P two. So I mean that in itself is an improvement because that's that has been where uh, Perez's downfall has been. It's been in the qualifying where he's then having to do a recovery drive. So P three started P two, finished P two. But how much, how good of a result is that? Now P two is a positive result for anybody, but keeping in mind he finished twenty two seconds behind his teammate in the same machinery putting all that in context how good of a result was this for Perez in terms now keeping in mind that his career is at Red Bull is maybe on a little bit of a delicate balance at the moment given his uh, recent performances um how how good is P2 22 seconds behind your teammate I think it's the best he could do today even though it's 22 seconds Verstappen is much more confident in that car than Paris is on his uh, Red Bull. And I think that reflects on the track as well. So, like, Helmut Marco came out. I'm not 100% sure when these comments came out, but um, he was sort of saying about, you know, sort of that Perez is getting a bit of a snap of reality now. He's And I think it was like a, the quote from him was something about him waking up from his championship title challenging dream 
um because oh it was actually straight after the race wasn't it because he was he was referring to him finishing 22 seconds behind max um I, that and that's why i said how good is that p2 for him because it says to me that the team and, and when we had and i know it's rumor mill but when we hear the names of lando norris and uh leclerc and stuff like that sort of in the rumor mill for 2026 joining red bull are we thinking that the Red Bull team are kind of getting increasingly frustrated that he is so far behind Max and they would rather see two cars dominate, not one car dominate and the other car kind of, you know, struggling to keep the P2 position from P3? In that sense, uh, yeah, he should, considering it's the same car, he should be slightly not as far behind as he was today. Yeah. But overall, I don't think he was expecting to be finishing first this weekend. But what, and like, overall, the, the P2 is the best. But you the only say thing. that. Sorry to cut across you, but when you said there, like, you know, he wasn't probably expecting to, to finish, you know, to win the race or anything like that. But that's probably a mindset thing. He should have been expecting to win the race. He should have been expecting, like, he is a really, like, given the current form, I, I you know, uh, put the current form aside because it seems to be a, big confidence knock that he's taking but he's an excellent driver he's in excellent machinery he started p2 he should have been thinking i'm winning this race he should have gone out with that confidence there's no reason why i can't win this race like but 22 seconds like what the? <laughs> yeah 22 seconds it's a, it's a lot but considering where paris has been driving in the fighting in the middle of the pack barely making the podium. Mm. I think P2 today was a good victory for him. And I don't think uh, if I don't think uh, Red Bull was, uh, would see Paris first and let Verstappen be second today. I think they want Verstappen to win the championship as soon as possible. True. Probably not. Probably not. But I, I would have thought though they still would have preferred to have two drivers at the at the pointy end of the, the the track, you know, close to closer together than a twenty two second. But look, uh, let's not take it away from Perez. I mean, there is improvements there. He, like I said, he qualified well, which has sort of been his recent downfalls. Finished P two, got a good haul of points, kept himself there in the second place in the the driver's title. And uh, look, who knows? Maybe he'll gain confidence from this in the second half of the season. He'll uh, he'll start picking up some improvements, but. Um, on to Ferrari, speaking of improvements. Um P three. I mean they had a they had a mixed weekend. I mean, you had reasonably good qualifying, P two and P five. Um, so obviously good qualifying from Leclerc uh, and could have had a pole position. Signs, I think, I can't quite remember, but was he impeded, I think, on his qualifying lap, which caused him to get P five. Um, can't quite recall that. But sprint race then they sort of showed that they weren't maybe quite at it on the wet on the wet track um that they were i think they were p4 and p5 was it in i have to just check now let me for just the go. sprint yeah yeah god I, re P5 <laughs> I really should have everybody's results up trying to remember everybody's results from the weekend is is not a good thing to do um so p4 p5 okay i mean look that's that's not too bad actually in fairness like p4 p5 considering where ferrari have been at p3 podium finish um before we get on to signs, um 
what do we think from Ferrari? Oh, let's actually let's talk talk Ferrari, Ferrari as a whole. Let's talk about Leclerc. What do you think about his weekend? P two, um, P five, then in the sprint, and then a uh, P three got got the podium then yeah, today in the feature race. I think Leclerc had a nice weekend, considering overall, uh, he did he did a good solid race. Nothing to nothing to talk about. It was a bit sad to see that even in lap one, Red Bulls without DRS just fly by both Ferraris. Yeah, yeah. That was a bit sad. If I was sitting a Ferrari and see a car that doesn't need DRS just run past by me, and all it needs and nothing you can do about it. But uh, it seems that at least they learned a few things considering that Leclerc managed to get the pole, finish third. Tough luck for science, but uh, not the bad weekend. 50-50 for Ferrari. Well, on signs then, let's let's just jump into that then. Um, obviously, the DNF today um, was P5 quality, P4 sprint. Again, not a terrible weekend. I mean, it, uh, like I said, a solid weekend. Like, you know, it, it was neither you know blowing anyone's hair back or it was neither terrible either. But then... The race today, the incident then with Piastri. What did you make of this incident? Um, Signs came out after the race and said that he called it a lack of experience from Piastri, uh, which led to the collision. Um, do you think it was a racing incident or do you think someone was at fault there? I think Piastri was in the wrong place. He, he shouldn't be there on the inside. So he shouldn't know better. And that incident caused not only Piastri to DNF, also Signs mm. to DNF. So yeah, Piastri's fault. No yeah, what I... Piastri said on the radio that he shouldn't be, science shouldn't be there, but that was his position. Hamilton was on his left. So, what was Piastri doing on that inside? Yeah, I agree with you as well. I think is that that's that's a, very much a kind of a scenario where someone's tried to take a corner that's not there. You know, it's not there to take. I mean, the only space was that was there for Piastri was going over the curbs um, that... and into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that that move that Piastri did is what someone does when when you play Xbox and the first and you want to go to yeah. the corner just to pass everyone. Yeah, exactly. When you're playing the the F1 game on the Xbox with zero damage on, yeah. where you could just send it into turbo and knock everybody off and then continue on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in real life, uh, a driver should know better. You don't should be there at all. Yeah, I mean, and then look, it, it was instantly clear it's something that happened, and it, the the performance dropped off, and and it ultimately ended up pulling off to the side of the track. Um, but yeah, it was a pity, pity the end. I mean, they look, they they did the best they could. They they stuck with signs. I kind of I thought they would have boxed signs once he got outside the top ten. I thought they would have retired the car and just saved on the components of the car. I kind of thought. You're going backwards. You're finishing at the, you know, the, if you go the whole 44 laps, you're just, you're, you're finishing at the back anyway. It was clear to see. I think I, I felt that when they came in for the first pit stop and they could assess the damage on the side, they already knew sort of from the, the timing, how much time he was losing per lap. They should have realized this is, we're not learning anything from this. We're not gaining anything from this. Just save on the components and, you know, kind of retire the car, but they didn't, they persevered. Um, do you think? No, let's just talk about Ferrari as a whole. Do you think maybe there's a bit of um, something happening there that they might start? Uh, we might start seeing a bit of improvement on their results or a bit more consistency, maybe. It's still too soon. Today mm. they they had everything to have a nice weekend. 
but that uh, incident that rush with signs uh that kind of ruined their weekend so let's see if they if they really learn a few things yeah they have a full month now to think about this and get ready well going from one team sort of making some improvements to another team who we always think they're making improvements and then seem to step a, take a step backwards uh mercedes uh p4 from lewis p8 from george russell in the qualifying the sprint race p7 from lewis p8 from george and then the feature race then the main grand prix p4 from lewis and p6 from george like all sounds fine but very much a, a very vanilla end to the race or to the weekend for them there was nothing exciting there was nothing dramatic um but it just feels like there's momentum being lost that that car even even last week as well in the hungary grand prix i just you just feel that this car so in hungary i think they they, they didn't start bouncing back until the car was lighter on fuel and then that car came alive and they were challenging and then this week, though, they just didn't seem to, like, he wasn't able to catch Leclerc, and Leclerc was, as they said afterwards, was doing uh, fuel saving uh, for quite considerable uh, portion of the end of the race. Now, I don't know whether, well, Hamilton couldn't have been doing that because he went for the fastest lap, so he couldn't have been fuel saving, or if he was fuel saving, he was fuel, fuel saving just to go out for, a, for the fastest lap. So, yeah, I don't know. There, I mean, we don't need to to sort of stick on Mercedes too long here today because I mean, like I said, there wasn't anything too impressive. Um, but what, like, I don't know. What what did you think of Hamil- uh, the, the the race weekend in general from from Mercedes? Uh, I think it was just the uh, just a normal race. Nothing, nothing Im- impressive. Yeah. Uh, Russell was uh, as usual, just quiet, getting points, and that's it. Hamilton, he he was. Uh, he was not good on the sprint, causing Paris DNF and got the penalty that made him drop on the grid. And today, I think uh, he just had no. The, that Mercedes is, like you say, it's not been consistent. So today was another day that Mercedes was not on top of their game for sure. Neither Hamilton. And what about that penalty? And uh, I know it was in the sprint race, but do you think that I, I, when I was watching it now, I have to say, I thought it was a bit harsh getting a five second penalty. I thought it was a racing incident. I didn't think there was anything to it, but uh, did you think it was a just deserved penalty he got there for that tip on Perez? I think now forget Perez... about it, knocking Perez out of the race. Just think about the incident itself rather than the aftermath of the incident. Well, I, I don't see that. I, I could see this towards having uh if Paris managed to finish the race, then probably there was no penalty. But because Hamilton crashed into him, damaging his car, because we could see straight away that after that little that uh, that between Hamilton and Paris, mm. the Red Bull dropped the pace completely, kind of disappeared. But should that be a reason to to uh, we we spoke about this actually before in previous podcasts? But I often think, it, and and you're right, that probably does come into the decision making. But surely that shouldn't be the case because if Hamilton had nudged into Perez, um, and no damage happened to be done, and they both continued on, but the exact same touch, or you know, the exact same uh, sort of level of impact that we saw, and then obviously what happened happened. Now all of a sudden there's a five second penalty. Um, like surely the incident and, and the you know the intention in the incident is what leads to the penalty and not the outcome of a car's damage 
Do you know, because I mean, because things can be done. You know, cars can get damaged for all kinds of reasons from from incidences that are clearly out of control of the other drivers. So you can't necessarily issue penalties just based off the damage that's done to a car over the actual intent within the race. So if it was over aggressive driving and they felt that, okay, this was too aggressive from Hamilton, uh, regardless of what happened to Perez's car, then it's a five second penalty. I get that. But if you're kind of going, yes, it was over aggressive from Hamilton, but it's okay if he didn't damage the car, but the fact that he damaged his car, then it's five seconds. I'm kind of like, well, that's like saying, well, he attempted to murder Perez, but he actually didn't manage to kill him. So he's not going to prison. <laughs> like, no, what? Well, if that, that would mean that drivers could always try to hit other drivers and if if it's okay and if they so no that would be the penalty is... be no that'd be the penalty then for the intent that's what i'm saying the the penalty should be given based off the intent of what you've done regardless of intent so even if he had hit perez what i'm saying is if the stewards thought that that was intent or that it was dangerous driving then the five second penalty should be given like because that's they feel that that was dangerous driving or whatever so that i get the five second penalty but the it's damage a, that's done shouldn't be it's a different between aggressive driving one thing is aggressive driving where they both touch but they both keep going and yeah. it was not the case and that's why I think the, they get the penalty. If Paris managed to finish, but there, there was probably no investigation. But because right. of the NF, that, that's it. All right. Well, let's. I think we'll we'll, we'll put a pin in that. No doubt, next week we'll, or on the next podcast, we'll we'll uh, no doubt be talking about other incidents like this because it's come up fairly frequently now. This uh, kind of the decisions from the race stewards and stuff like that. Um, Aston Martin. I I actually. I was going to talk about Aston Martin a little bit more than I am, but I think we're just kind of breeze through this because they're not like quality P9, Alonso P10 for Stroll, sprint race, uh, Alonso DNF, sort of an uncharacteristic uh, sort of uh, um, mistake from Alonso causing that DNF in the sprint race, P11 for Stroll. P5 Alonso, P9 for Stroll. That seems to be, uh, there seems to be a, a consistency here. Like Alonso's definitely all season has been getting more out of that car. Stroll has always seemed to be in the shadow there and sort of towards the back of that top 10. Um, I'm just wondering, like, do you think, uh, and we want, let's not spend too much time on Aston Martin because I don't think there's a hell of a lot to talk about really, but do you think um, Alonso and Aston Martin will be happy with the P5? Will they see it as a slight improvement over the, I know, Technically, the position is a slight improvement over their last couple of races, but do you think they'll maybe they are they feel that they're making a bit of uh, improvement on their upgrades, getting up to understand them? Uh, yeah, I, I am. I'm surprised that uh, Alonso got P5, considering their previous uh, results. I was thinking that Alonso would be on P11, putting they've been P7, P9, mm. should be P11. But the fact they did P5 today, I think, I think they they're onto something. Uh, Stroll, I don't know, he's still Stroll is a Tsunoda of the Aston Martin, basically. Yeah. Just on the shadow, not sure if he's gonna finish on the points or not. And do you think um it's sort of actually two questions here. So do you think uh Aston Martin will recover this car for towards the end of the season and get Alonso back into the podium positions, or do you think this is sort of their 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 sort of fifth, sixth now for the rest of the season? I'd like to see that the uh, Aston Martin is going to use the, the silly season to make the, the car as it was in the beginning of the season. I, they have 
they have half the season now to evaluate what they did in yeah. the beginning, the sort of upgrades that bring the downgrade to the car and what they're doing now. So you think in the summer break now they'll be able to sort of find that, that that'll take what they've learned from from the the last few races since the upgrades, they'll sort of tweak that and hopefully come back in Zandvoort or something like that as yeah. uh, something. But you know that'll be interesting now to see. Um, and then just on uh, Stroll and I, I I'm mad for talking about drivers who should be axed and who shouldn't be axed, but just on Lance Stroll, um. No, I don't think he should be axed. I mean, I don't. Th- I think he. I. I do genuinely think he's a. He's not a bad driver. Uh, I don't think he's getting the best out of that Aston Martin. So I'm just wondering, at what point do you think? Like, because I mean, I know his dad is. Uh, when his dad kind of bought into the team, he did always come out and say that you know everyone has to earn their place here. Sort of referring to the fact that his son is the driver, and thought there'd be some sort of favoritism there. But do you think there will be? Do you think there it will come a point where if if Alonso is able to get P three and get onto the podium consistently in that Aston Martin, um, and Stroll is still sort of um, you know sort of battling around the the top the top ten trying to get the final point, do you think eventually they might just say you have to go even though it's his son, or do you think like, do you think he'll stick to his word, or do you think there will be some sort of favoritism and he'll be like nah he has to stay. No, I think at the end of the day, Stroll might be the, the son's boss, but they are shareholders and people that want True. to get money out of Aston Martin. So it doesn't matter. If your son doesn't deliver, he yeah. must go. They're, they're... Stroll is lucky that Helmut Marco is not there to give some hints. Oh, God, he'd be gone already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't last well. Um all right. Well, moving on. We'll just uh, the last team we want to I want to touch on today is McLaren, um, who seem to have. Um, I I think we were talking about it before. That rocket ship is desperately ran out of fuel this weekend. Um, they, well, not this weekend, should I say this this uh, this uh, today for the feature race. I mean, they qualified Piastri P six, Lando P seven, which was okay. Not not where they've been in the last couple of races, but it was okay. Sprint, though, Piastri gets P2. Phenomenal in the wet. We knew it was going to suit them. Orlando, P6. Not not, not uh, sort of uh, where he would like to have been. Then the feature race, obviously, Piastri had the incident with Sainz. We'll call it, I think, we're saying it, we reckon it was Piastri had, sh- should have bailed out of that corner. Um, I think he got chalked up to a racing incident. Sainz believes it was Piastri as well. But it, Lando gets P7, sorry, then. And so the, the the weekend for, or not the weekend, but the, the main race, it sort of showed that, that McLaren, that, so, so basically, okay, let me, let me kind of regroup on my, my thoughts here. So McLaren went in, they were high, running high da- downforce, and that suited them because we had sort of a wet start to the weekend. So everything was looking sort of cushy. We were kind of like, okay, the, the McLarens are still performing. Then it hit a dry track on Sunday and they were absolutely appalling. But that being said, I mean, I think on the second stint, Norris came in for hard tires and he he, he was running for a long time down. I think he was like P16, P17, something like that. Um, but finally managed to battle his way up to P7 and finish P7. I mean, what do you, what did you make of the drive from Lando? I I, I was kind of... I was sort of impressed that he managed to get that. I thought he was going to, once I saw him, he was struggling to catch up with Russell, I think, or struggling to keep on the back of Russell in P. He was in Russell in P6. And 
Lando in P7 at that time. Um, I thought oh, he's gonna he's gonna start dropping back. He's gonna maybe finish 11th or 12th. But he managed to hold that P7 in that car with that high downforce on a drying track. Keeping in mind that rain was only brief. Obviously, we saw the the surge in performance when the rain, the track started getting wet. But what did what did you make of his drive today? I thought he I thought he uh, he deserved a bit of a shout out. Yeah, it, considering everything, uh, he did a solid race, even though it was not the race that we've been expecting from McLaren's over the past few few weekends. Yeah, where McLaren was always on top. Today was for a moment we are kind of seeing the McLarens from early season mixed with McLaren from last year that was fighting in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Just for the Norris because Piastri, he just, he didn't pass turn one, sadly. Well, I mean, it, I don't think it would have mattered even he did. He would have probably still have struggled the same as Lando did. I mean, that that car wasn't going to, you know, Piastri's car wasn't magically going to perform better than Lando's car, you know, with that high downforce on a dry track. So, um, but I mean, look, it might suit them now coming into Zandvoort. That's a high downforce circuit, so um, so it, it's strange. But it's a high, it's a high uh, downforce circuit, but it is a quick circuit. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they work out. But it should it should suit them. Um, so you never know. We may see uh, sort of a return to like the 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 last kind of few um, results that we've seen from from McLaren. But. One funny thing about McLaren is that Piastri only ran on Saturday and still got more points this weekend than Norris. Yeah, exactly. And only in the sprint race as well. Like so, um, but yeah, and he ran. He I know it wasn't a uh, the Grand Prix; it was a sprint race. But he's the first rookie to lead a race, I think, in ten years or something like that. So look, I mean, you got to take your positives where you can get them, and the fact that he's probably not going to take that as a positive at the moment, considering he crashed out in turn one, but. Uh, Look, you got to take what you can get. Um, but we'll just just before we wrap up the 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 weekend, then we had um, sort of two sort of mentions, I suppose. Yuki Sonoda, uh, who's been sort of you know consistently pretty bad, I suppose, over the last while. But I mean, P ten and should have possibly have gotten more than P ten. Um, and then Daniel Ricardo P sixteen. I mean, not 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 a great weekend for Daniel Ricardo, but still, like it, it's it's uh, early doors for him, or it's early days, not early doors, early days for him. Uh, so yeah, what what did you make on uh, the Alpha Terry this weekend? Yeah, Yuki kind of uh, slowly uh, he started uh, he started he started P eleven, and he managed to always stay around the points. So it it was it was good to see Yuki. Back on the points. It's been a while since we've seen uh, the Alpha Tower in that position, mm. and Daniel Ricciardo. Well, he's still his second second uh, drive this year. He's still learning, and today this weekend was not a great weekend to to get familiar with the uh, with the car, the track like it is. Not exactly not the best. No, exactly. I, I I'm I'm still uh, holding out hope for Daniel Ricciardo that he's going to sort of recover, and we're going to see a little bit see more of the best of Daniel Ricciardo. Um, and then just finally, then obviously uh, Alpine had a bit of a change at the top, uh, axing their team principal Otmar, and um, and all of a sudden Pierre Gasly gets P three in uh, in the sprint race, Alcon gets P nine, um, and they didn't do too bad. I mean, in the in the the main Grand Prix, I mean, I think they got uh, I think it was P eight for Alcon. I'm just have to check now where yeah, Gasly finished, Gasly and 11, eleven for Gasly. I mean, that's <laughs> That's a, the fact that all all their wheels remained on the track 
over the finish line was certainly a damn sight better than the last couple of races they've had. So um, do we think Otmar getting the boot had, had something to do with the sudden uh, surge of uh, of confidence? <laughs> to be fair, I don't think that there was a reason for Alpine to do that. But they, I mean, they did have a few troubles in the in the past, what, two, two races, but yeah. not really his fault. I mean, the DNF that they had last weekend was definitely not, not his fault. I think and... the I think they probably find the reason was I mean they they were looking fairly promising that they were going to be they were they're starting to make improvements and then all of a sudden like last year there was a bit of improvements happening and then this year I think there was a lot of hope for this season the, the there was a bit of work that went into the car and and their their concept for the the car for this year and they've just it hasn't gone the right direction at all so I don't know I'm guessing that's uh you know the the responsibility has to lay at someone's feet, and it looks like it's Otmar that's uh, taking the hit on that one. It's McLaren's fault. They start doing better, making Alpine look bad. Yeah, and Aston Martin doing better as well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that and that's possibly a, a a contributing factor. The fact that the likes of Aston Martin, McLaren, Mercedes, even all these teams are making improvements, and Alpine seem to be just struggling. Um, so yeah. So that's uh, yeah, but it was it, it was interesting. But uh, look, let's see yeah, see how it goes for Alpine if they start uh, having terrible re- uh, results now for the second half of the season. Um, it'll be a Matteo Bonato situation for them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think that sort of covers uh, the Belgian Grand Prix. Um, but before we move on to our predictions game, let's just get a, a rundown of the our well. Let's look at the official driver of the day first, and then we'll look at our who we thought was driver of the day and uh, the biggest loser of the day. Um, so the official driver of the day uh, went to Max Verstappen, uh, 15.5% of the votes. Then we had Charles Leclerc, 14.8%. Yuki Sonoda, 14.6%. Good shout. Uh, Lando Norris, 8%. And Sergio Perez on 7.3%. So, Isidro, I put it to you. Who was your driver of the day? I have say Yuki. Considering everything he's no, been right. through, he did. Uh, he deserved the be done today. Everything he went through, like it was a traumatizing experience for Yuki Tsunoda. Well, <laughs> he's been under pressure since uh, Nick had the boot and Daniel on his shadow. So, yeah, yeah, fair, fair, fair shout. No, I, I, I didn't even think of Yuki Tsunoda. I just saw the the full result there. I saw Yuki Tsunoda, and I was like, yeah, that's not a bad shout. I, I gave mine to Max Verstappen, and I don't, I wouldn't normally do that, but. I just think it, it was it was um, he was he was so quick, but it was sort of uh, he was preserving his tires so well. It was effortless and not not just effortless in the sense that you know natural ability. But I just meant that the car was was able to drive around at such pace without kind of, you know, without having to throw it around. I just thought he was in such control. And even though it took him, what, 16, 17 laps to, to sort of get into the lead, um, even that I thought he played the patient game and I think he um yeah I, I think he just I think he deserved it granted radio calls as I said at the start of the podcast radio calls uh aside I, I didn't think that was uh, that was uh needed but yeah I'd have given it to Max Verstappen uh we don't know who is uh, Scotty would have given it to because he's not here um <laughs> but our loser of the day okay who, who's your biggest loser of the day Staroska Piastri Piastri yeah, that's after uh, what he did in sprint. I was expecting better from him today. Yeah, I don't want to say that was a rookie move, but 
yeah, it was a rookie move. Rookie move. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm split, but the fact that you went with Piastri and McLaren, um, I'll go with my other option. I, I've Carlos Sainz. And the reason I have Carlos Sainz there is because I think their car was more suited to this race. So I think even had they not knocked each other out and they both got cleanly around that corner, I don't think Piastri would have possibly, you know, would have outscored the Ferraris. Um, so I think Sainz had more of an opportunity, I think, to get better results out of that race than um, than Piastri did. And I think, like we said at the start, I, I, I would lean towards the incident being Piastri's fault and the so all that included I think signs kind of was hard done by um so yeah I put him down as my my biggest loser of the day even though it was not his fault oh yeah no even though it wasn't it wasn't his fault it just just uh, he just he lost out not not I mean we have to we have to clarify when we say biggest loser of the day we're not calling someone that, that they're they're an actual loser <laughs> I mean they just lost out the most <laughs> of the, in in the race um all right so that's done. That, that sees Belgium done for 2023. And let's get on with our predictions game. So let me just have this up and ready to go. Okay, let's breeze through these because Scotty's not here. Oh, wait, hang on a second. Before I get too cocky, let me <laughs> just realize, I've just seen my results. Shit, I was going into this full of confidence and then I've realized I made a mistake. Okay, so <laughs> my top three, I went with Verstappen P1 which happened. I went with Perez P2, which I didn't realize I did. Um, and I went with Norris P3, which in hindsight now is an absolute disaster of a choice. Um, all right. I'll, I'll let you call out Scotty's and, and your own. Uh, Scotty went with Verstappen first. Yeah. One point there. Norris second. Jesus. And Perez third. All right. That's, uh, that's good for me. Uh, and uh, what did you go with yourself? I went with Verstappen first, yeah. Perez second, and Hamilton third. Oh, I'd say you were crying Terrible that he was, <laughs> he was he was like two and a half seconds out, out catching him quick. All right, that was, uh, uh, but, but it's a zero. Yeah. This is where I got over cocky. I thought I, uh, I, I, I just realized I, I, I called the wrong Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my flop was a Leclerc DNF. And I was convinced I said signs, but I just realized it was last week I said signs for a DNF. So, um, shit. Okay, moving on. Well, Scotty was even more cocky with an Alpine double DNF. Yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, that was suicide. Uh, and you went with? I went with Alonso outside top ten. I mean, that, that could the... ease because based on the geometric progression. Five, seven, nine, oh, eleven was, yeah, easily could have happened. Easily could have <laughs> happened. Um, all right, my surprise. I went with Daniel Ricciardo top ten, and uh, once again, like my Ferrari, I picked the wrong driver. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda got the top ten instead, so uh, so that's a big goose egg for me. Um, Scotty went with Bottas top ten. Oh, well, that didn't happen. Uh, What's close? Got P twelve. P twelve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went with Albon top ten. That was again. That that's a t actually I wish we we touched on them in the in the podcast like in the in the race review. Um, Williams they, they were disappointing, weren't they this week? Yeah, well, I was expecting more of them to be fair, but Completely I think like... that weather 
because Belgium has a good straights. So I was expecting Williams. And Williams did well on those straights, but overall I think the stretcher with the tires messed up everything. Yeah, I just because uh, yeah. most of the time Albon was there in the middle of the pack. But then he beat for soft, I think. And yeah. that was that was disastrous. Oh well. The uh Anyway, let's not, let's not jump back into the race review. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so predictions for uh, Netherlands Grand Prix Zandvoort. Wait, or... what about the points? Oh, Where sorry, sorry. Jesus Christ, I got carried away. Bloody hell. All right, so uh, so it's a, it's a tie between me and you. Scotty, you're not here, so you lose out. You got goose egg this week, and me and Isidro share the points. So this is this is big now in the, in the table, because that now means I take the lead clearly now on seven points scotty on six but tied now for second is zero on six as well jesus scotty if you start lo- if you start missing out on any more of these podcasts you are going to be hitting rock bottom on the table <laughs> of all three of us yeah i'm coming for, the, I'm coming for that p2 and p1 all right, well, before I jump into uh, our predictions for Netherlands, let me just double-check, see if uh, any of the uh, fancy results have come in. I'm guessing they haven't, but let's just double-check to be on the... So let me just log in here to the account, leagues, and our fancy league. Um, okay, I think the points are in. Let me see. We could be lucky here for the first time. The points are in. Oh, my God. I got negative eight because I had Carlos signs. Okay. Uh, all right. Okay. So, Team Trek. I know we're jumping around here, and this is in the middle of our predictions game, but I this this never happens. Usually, the, the, the fantasy points aren't calculated till the middle of the night. So, uh, Team Trek still at number one. Stop Inventing has dropped down to number three, um, who was at number one for most of the start of the season. JCB All-Stars, which is uh, this guy, uh, is uh, P6. Uh, we Plow Shit, which is my wife, <laughs> is P8. Um, then let me see. Zedro, you are Zedro's Goats, is P18. And Scotty, Lando and Norris, uh, is P21. So, uh, all right. Well, you guys need to pick up the pace a little bit there. <laughs> I think it'll be too late. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing you are you're already like a hundred and something points off the lead. I'll be happy if I finish up then. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's a good achievement. Um all right. Sorry to take the detour. So let's get back on track here. So back to the predictions for Netherlands Grand Prix, Zandvoort. Uh my top three is Probably going to be fairly predictable for the first two. I'm going with Verstappen P1, and I'm going with Perez P2. I'm going to say that he's going to finish a good 30, 40 seconds behind Verstappen, but he might get P2. And I'm going to go with a bit of gamble here, but I'm going to say that the high downforce track of Zandvoort is going to suit the McLarens, and they will be back up there, and I'm going to go Norris P3. Solid predictions. So, uh, Scotty, we don't have his... Uh, hang on, let me just double-check. No, it's, it's in a message. Oh, we got Scotty's predictions in. Oh, if you want to call out Scotty's predictions there. Yeah, so you want Max first, Perez right. second, Leclerc third place. Perez and Leclerc third. 
did he just get the results from today and just gotta go that <laughs> what the fuck all right okay fair enough that's his call um bear in mind scotty that's uh you know you're you're fighting not to finish last here um all right is either who are you going with for your top three for uh, netherlands my top three will be max verstappen yeah. sergio perez and oscar piastri Perez, oh sweet Jesus! If it's spelled like you, I think McLaren will be back in the game. Piastri, yeah, that's that's not a bad shout. All right, my flop. Um, I was kind of torn, and I'll be honest, this is just kind of a shot in the dark. But I'm going with Piastri outside the top ten. Um, and again, I just couldn't make the call on what who I thought was going to kind of have a poor result. So uh, I had to pick someone. Um, all right, who did Scotty go with? Scotty went with Alonso as a flop. Outside top ten, I'm assuming. I'm going to assume, yeah. It, it doesn't say, but yeah, yeah Alonso we'll, outside we'll just... top ten. Let's go well, with him. Well, let's... no, he picked a position P16. <laughs> what? Where is? And second, and second. Let's see. Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna say that he went with Alonso outside top ten. We'll give him that. Yeah, if it's a flop, it's outside top ten. Yeah. All right, who are you going with for your flop? And my flop is Gasly DNF. Gasly DNF. Yeah, not a bad shout. Uh my surprise, I'm going with both Alpines inside the top ten. Uh we... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> no. Why? Why is that the surprise? Well, they weren't. They haven't been in the top ten in weeks. Both of them. Uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm technically within the the rules here. Yeah, yeah. Technically, you're right. Although they they do finish. Uh... They both tell me tell me the last race. They were both inside the top ten. Yeah, I'm now checking. Uh, let me see if I can. Austria. No, sorry. Oh, uh, Spain actually. So you got to give me that. So that's, that's what. Yeah, yeah. One, two, three, four, yeah. five races ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. It's been a while. All right. What's uh, Scotty's surprise? Scotty went with the Joe top ten. That will be a surprise on that circuit and that car. Uh, and uh, Zijo, who did you go with? My good friend, Albon, top 10. Oh, lovely. And let, let me just check. How many times this season so far have you picked Albon top 10? This is like me and fucking uh, Mick Schumacher last season. <laughs> You've gone, huh? let, me just, let me just go up to the top here. Well, you, you went with Logan Sargent on the first... The first race of the season inside top 10. Wow, you are ambitious at the first start of the season. Weren't you with Logan Sargent? But you went with Albon. One, two, three, four, five, six. This is the seventh time this season you've picked Albon top 10. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I, do you know what? I was going to pick, I'd be all joking aside, I was going to pick Albon top 10 as well, but I thought the downforce might. Uh, hindered them a bit, so I thought I I, I went with uh, 
So I went with an equally ridiculous choice of both <laughs> both athletes inside the top ten. Not as uh, ridiculous as a Williams finish on top ten. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, all right. Well, look, that that wraps it up for this week and the Belgium Grand Prix. Uh, we are not back. Well, the Formula One isn't back until what's the actual date for the Netherlands Grand Prix? Uh, Never twenty eight, I think. It is twenty fifth to the twenty seventh weekend. So yeah, so that's what four weeks away or something like that. So. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm guessing we are going on a summer break as well. We may jump in with a podcast in two weeks time, sort of uh, making sure everybody's still alive and uh, do, a, do a little bit of a check in, but uh, no guarantees. So don't hold out for that one. Uh, but if you don't hear from us, we will be back on schedule the Monday after the Netherlands Zandvoort Grand Prix uh, without fail. So until then, we will see you then.